All right, welcome to episode 62 of the At Bad Podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news as well as take a trip around the league. I am Saul Rodriguez, joined by my co-host Miles Porter as well as Gabe Wilkins, who you've seen on War Media's open run. We are back after a week of hiatus. How's everybody doing? How we doing, Miles? Hey, you know, doing good. You know, we're, we're in the playoffs. That's fun. Hit, hit, hit my first. First of all, this is the latest I've ever waited to hit a home run in. Like, I just, I've been hitting for a lot of averages here, a lot of doubles and singles and driving in runs. Um, but this, you know, <laughs> they've been, they've been pitching to me very well this year. And so I finally, I finally got a, finally got a poke, a three run home run. That was the first of three in a row. Crazy. It was, that oh, was wow. crazy. Um, and so, you know, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're hot right now. We're excited to, you know, keep it going on Friday against the Warriors at the Rock and there'll be fireworks. Uh, kind of like during the game and I think a little bit after the game, depending on what the milkmen do. But uh, no, man, no. Loving, loving, loving ball right now. Loving it. Playoff baseball is fun. Milwaukee Jaguars. We are a Milwaukee Jaguar uh, podcast, as always. So uh, keep us posted, Miles, and uh, we're cheering and we're rooting for MVP, Miles Porter, always. All right. So keep it up. Gabe, how we doing, man? Heck yeah. I can't complain, man. Um, life is good. Been checking out a lot of baseball games. Even went behind your enemy lines inside the town on the <laughs> north side to, to check out Ellie De La Cruz and Ronald Acuna when they were here. Oh yeah, before the pro, uh, before the most recent series with the Crosstown Classic. So I just been chilling, man. I can't complain at all. How was your experience at Wrigley, Gabe? You can tell us the truth. Oh, man. Same old, same old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, the things that we talk about behind the scenes, you know, ain't much change. But, uh, you know, one thing I will say, the brand of baseball there is definitely different. You could tell that the stakes are much higher um, and that the, that the fan base is very supportive. But, you know, it, it was funny just to watch games as an observer, not really having any interest, but wanting to see good baseball, which is what I got. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. That's, it, it is it is nice to just lay back and not worry about the game. It's like every time I go to a Sox game, which I, I like, I always say I go to more Sox games than Cubs games throughout the year. And it's nice just to like lay back, eat some good food and just watch baseball. Then to like be at, at the Cubs game. I feel like I, when I go to Cubs games, I don't even feel like eating. I think I'm just like watching the game and like, you know, I need to see a Cubs win. And I went at like in the last few weeks and I think I'm going to mention it, but I went to the Cubs Red Sox game on a, on a, I think it was on a Sunday or Saturday. And of course, steel gets rocked. Um, but just, I'll, just so you guys know, I've said this, and I've said this to a lot of people now. But this year, I'm, I'm not only in my own three, but I think my run differential has got to be like in the 40s, because like, oh, and Ooh. I'm talking about no, 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 negative, and, and and I'm talking like not even plus. I'm talking. Minus. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, it is trash. I went to Minnesota, watched the Cubs twice, and they got shellacked both times. Then I come back home and I'm like, I'm going to Wrigley, get the Cubs against the Red Sox team. That's all right. Steals pitching. And then they get rocked in that one too. So I should just not go to any more games this year. That's, uh, that's right. that's, <laughs> well, if it makes you me. feel better, Saul, <laughs> if it makes you feel better, the Cubs are undefeated in the two games oh. that I went to. <laughs> and I started to go to the finale of the Crosstown Classic last minute. Oh, But I said... No, I don't want to mess it up. Fox <laughs> one, six in a row going in and look like we was going to have a seventh one. And a sinker got oh, left man. up in the middle of the zone. And Morrell went yard. And I was like, damn, maybe I should have went. <laughs> hey. so, yeah, I guess I done gave him some good luck that I didn't think I had. And if I go Keep back to the last five years, they three and no. In the games I've went to, the only time I've ever seen the Cubs lose a game is to my White Sox. The first game I ever went to a Rick. And that's 20 oh, years wow. ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a GoFundMe just so uh, we can get Gabe out to all the games this year. Hey, I'm giving him <laughs> too much good luck, man. I, 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 I'm all for prosperity, but I don't know if I'm that prosperity. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I think I think if I went back to how many to the last few years, I I for sure have a have uh well, it positive record for you guys in favor of the white Sox. okay because i feel like i've seen i for the most part i see white Sox wins but i think this year i think i've seen a, I, I think i've seen out of the out of like the few games i've gone to i think i've seen 
the White Sox lose twice. I went to that Marlins one where the Marlins came back in the ninth. Oh man, don't remind uh, yeah, me of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because you were at that one too, obviously. Oh yeah, we yeah. met up there. Yeah, and that, did they? You know what? And I'm, I'm totally blanking. They won. The, who won the Cleveland one day? I saw you at. That was the like Sox won that game. Sox, Sox won that okay. game. It, it oh, was yeah, seven yeah, to okay. two. That, that was that a was, blowout game. Yeah. Oh, they. I that was on where Tim Anderson finally yeah, hit his home run. Yard, yeah. And I was like, look at that. I should, I should come more to, for more games for Tim Anderson so he can hit a home run for you guys because that was his <laughs> first one in like a year. So good mm-hmm. hey, good to see there. Uh, but, hey, we'll, we'll start off, you know, with speaking of Chicago baseball as we always do. But obviously, you know, the last game of that series, we're, you know, we'll get into it because that Christopher Morrell walk-off home run, of course, was a cherry on top. But, man, I'll tell you one thing. that's This two-game series felt longer than just two games. Uh, because, because so much happened in those 18 innings that, you know, each team had their, you know, like, you know, their little moment and, you know, I mean, game one, Luis Robert had his moment and we'll talk about that. And then of course in game two, Morrell had it. So it was a good series. So we'll talk about that first, but man, we'll, we'll get into a lot today. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, um, you know, what's going on around the league with, of course, you know, the very unfortunate Wander Franco situation there. Uh, try to get into a little bit of the wild card race as well, and we'll get to much more if possible. But we'll start off with the crosstown. I mean, man, I mean, coming off, you know, recording this on Thursday and the game was on Wednesday. Uh, the Cubs are off, so are the Sox. Uh, you know, overall thoughts on these two games because, like I said, it felt longer than that. But, Miles, what, are, what is your overall thoughts on this series? And the Cubs, of course, won three out of four for the uh, season series. I mean, it's, it's awesome, bro. I think it's cool. You really see the passion that that Chicago rivalry come out when it comes to these two teams playing each other. Um, man, it just, I think, I think kind of like what I just said in terms of passion, you really see how much each fan base cares about their teams. And, you know, and, you know, listen, Cubs fans, I, I love you guys. You can flip off, you can flip off Luis Robert all you want. He's getting paid. Number one, number two, in our face, <laughs> you know what I mean? We can't we can't be salty about it. He, you know, he he, he caught one. Julian Merritt, he, you know, it just it is, it is what it is when it comes to that. But I think it's so cool uh, when it when it comes to the when it comes to these games, just the passion that comes out and seeing, you know, Morel hit a walk off the next day in a game that just felt very bleak the entire time. There's just no not really any energy, but but you know, seeing Madrigal hit a home run and then you know that magical last inning. Um, it's awesome, man. It's it's really cool, and it, it does feel like postseason baseball. And I think if there's one thing, there's two things that would change. Um, one, I think a three game series is a little bit better, but it does make you kind of savor these games more. I think a three game series is what is what it has to be. Um, two, I think the stakes are even higher if you have two winning Chicago teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know we 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 felt we felt what that was like in terms of just good competitive baseball now you had two competitive Chicago teams playing against each other both shooting for the playoffs and not just the north side and not just the south side I just remember I just remember being Cubs at the Cubs and White Sox back in 2008 when I was younger at Wrigley Field dude crazy so you know I I love I love it truly and um you know I look forward I look forward to next year I just think you know I think three games is is better give me give me a little bit more I agree. I agree. And we've said this before on the show is that we don't, you know, there's plenty of reasons as to why they try to do that and stuff, which don't make any sense to me, but whatever next year, like we said before, the schedule has already come out for next year and it's the same thing, two and two. So we'll have to live through that again, but Gabe, what were your overall thoughts in this series? Of course, the Sox were able to split this time around at Wrigley, uh, but uh, you know, it didn't work out for them in those four games, but man, they gave the Cubs everything they, they, they had in this series. I mean, anytime you playing a team on the north side, be it as a Sox fan, as a Sox player, you know, I, I like you guys. You, you, you Cub fans are all right with me. But for the most part, I don't really give a damn about most of the other ones. I'm just gonna be honest. Um and, and I and I'm pretty sure the feeling is mutual. <laughs> you know, this this is a series that Southsiders fans and players alike get up for. And you saw it when Luis Robert Jr went yard on that slider that was left up in the heart of the plate from Julian Merriweather. Um, I've never seen him show emotion like that. And initially watching it live, 
I didn't understand why he was doing that. I know he likes to celebrate home runs and have, you know, hit guys with the bat flip. But I was like, man, somebody chirping. And then just when I saw him crossing home plate, he does this. But I didn't, you know, see the reaction of the fans at the time. And then I'm on Twitter scrolling through, you know, midway through the game is this getting to the, you know, final three outs. And I'm like, oh, okay. Poetic justice. I see why he did what he did. So, you know, that that, that was a beautiful moment in a, in a season that has been full of lowlights for this White Sox ball club that had high expectations entering the year. You would take that moment. And that's that was a hallmark moment in the Crosstown Classic rivalry, in my opinion, that's been missing a lot of those highlighting hallmark moments since the 2000s, where mm. it was evident back in that era that these two teams and these two fan bases really didn't care much for one another. And those games had a lot of energy that I think this current rivalry is missing, but we saw that this week. And then to see Chris Morrell, who struck out on a nasty slider that was left up high by Gregory Santos in game one, get his revenge on a 0-2 or a 1-2 pitch with sinker left at the heart of the zone and walk it off, you could tell he was looking for payback. And the reason why that came about my eyes is because the White Sox had some opportunities in that game that they didn't cash in on. Mm -hmm. Mike Clevenger went seven innings, didn't allow a run, had exited the game with a three-run lead. White Sox had the bases loaded in the top of the eighth. Nobody out. Ross brings Michael Fulmer in. He strikes out the side in which he faces. That can't happen. Situational hitting has to be better on the White Sox side. They had a chance to actually bring the Crosstown Cup home. But unfortunately, they weren't able to because when you fail to execute in situations like that, you give a team hope. And that's what happened. Madrigal comes up the next inning on an 0-2 pitch, takes a yard thanks to the win, the friendly win at Wrigley Field. And they had some life. And this is a team, a Cub team, that's playing for a playoff spot. And they showed you why with their fight late in that game that easily could have gotten away. And had it gotten away, they would have lost two out of their last three series. But fortunately for them, they pick up a game in the standings and have a chance to do more with, you know, in the midst of a, a stretch where Milwaukee's playing against some tough teams. Yeah, and, and the Cubs are, are obviously facing, you know, teams under 500, and they're facing the Royals up next and the Tigers. So, yeah, the Cubs, this is the opportunity where the Cubs, you know, it's one of those things where, and they've, they've stressed it a lot and on, on networks I've watched as well, is the Cubs have one of the easiest, if not the easiest schedule for the remainder of the season. But that's just one, that's just, you know, that's obviously easy to say. It's another thing to go out there and win those games. And Absolutely. we saw, we saw in perfect example is game one, where Tuki Toussaint obviously didn't pitch his best game, right? But he was able to hold the Cubs to three runs. And, you know, it just showed, it just, it's one of those things where it, that's why it felt also like all these series, all these crosstown series to me feel like playoffs, no matter where these teams are at. It's just because people care so yeah. much, right? People care so much mm -hmm. about these games. Yeah. In game one, I feel like it was a perfect example of like, man, the, like the Sox just shut down Cubs, the Cubs batters. It felt like a playoff game where like you go in hot. And it doesn't matter how hot you go in or whatever. And no matter what pitchers on the mound, they just know how to attack. And that's what it looked like to me. It looked like Sox pitchers from, from Tuki Toussaint to Aaron Bummer to Santos, they knew how to attack Cubs hitters. They were doing it well. And in game two, it worked up until the ninth. Because even, even in game two with Clevenger, Clevenger, like Clevenger was doing everything right. Cubs had, got out of jams. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say two times the Cubs. Because you mentioned that the Sox had the, ba the base load, nobody, nobody out. The Cubs had that twice. Yep. And they couldn't do anything. So that's another thing too, is that the Cubs didn't, you know, capitalize on that. And that was, it felt again, like at the playoff game, we were like, man, you don't get that many opportunities with that many guys on with nobody out. You don't do anything. That's going to cost you. You do it again. And I was like, yeah, they're going to lose this game. Like in the eighth, I was like, this game is probably over. Like, right. And I saw the bases loaded, nobody out for the Sox. And Michael Fulmer comes in with some of the nastiest sweepers I've seen him all season. <laughs> and he's been pitching better over the last few months. But man, that was for sure his like best pitching performance of the season, no doubt. Because I think I think even that the fans, you know, at that point they used that momentum to, for the rest of the game. Because 
the, I feel to. like the, the yeah, this, I feel like the stadium was the, the the Cubs fans at least. I shouldn't say the stadium yeah. was dead because the White Sox fans were loud and you could hear them. Um, but yeah, that yeah. was that was a perfect example. And I think uh, you know, Morel in that at bat, like I think he was gonna swing at that fourth pitch no matter where it was. You knew he so, was. Yeah, yeah. No. And, and that's why, and that's why I I I have an issue with some White Sox fans who want to get mm. on Gregory Santos. Let's yeah. let's let's provide some context into that. Mm. Gregory Santos is a young closer in this league. He just got that role. And the only mm. reason why he's in that role is because Liam Hendricks is down and out with Tommy John surgery and will not be able to return into the latter part of the 2024 season. He's currently mentoring Santos as we speak and, and has been staying with the team in spite of most of the time when guys had those surgeries, they don't. And he's doing it because he's trying to help Santos get accustomed to being in this role. Chris Morrell, we know, is a guy that's very aggressive. And he loves moments like that. I I was a, afraid from the moment Santos walked Dansby Swanson. Because you know when Morrell's up there what he's going for. The fact that he got an 0-2 count on him, I'm like, man, throw him a slider low and away. Because mm-hmm. you know he's swinging. He got cute and admitted that and left a pitch dead red in the middle of the zone that he sat on and did damage to and, and, and Chris Morrell is one of those guys in this series. I think he's he's slowly becoming to White Sox fans, in my opinion, what Aramis Ramirez once was. It's like the bigger the moment, the bigger the stage, you have to be like, oh, shit. Okay, he's at the plate. You can't play around. My with favorite coach player of all time. Just pointed out. Know. Go ahead. Oh, Aramis Ramirez was a bad boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I'd be the he's first my favorite player of all time. I got a lot of nightmares with, with Aramis Ramirez. <laughs> You know, um, terrorizing <laughs> White Sox pitching. So, with, with, with Chris Morrell coming through in that situation, that that was key. But Gregory Santos is a young closer, still trying to learn and, and and figure out things. Has had a hell of a season, but this is part of the experience. When you got forty thousand plus fans on your butt rooting against you, as many in the building that are for you, you know, pressure make diamonds, but it could also break pipes too, and this is a situation that he has to get more familiar with and accustomed to. You saw him shining in game one, game two, not so much, but you got to have guys on the other end, such as your veterans back you up and failing to score and silence that Wrigley field crowd that consisted of Cub fans there. Like that, to me, that was the ball game. That was the ball. Yeah. And and you know, what's funny is that how quickly uh, some Sox fans, as you mentioned, how quickly some Sox fans forget that Santos went out there and and, and had a five out save yeah. on on Tuesday. So mm-hmm. you know it, it is gonna it is gonna happen regardless of growing pains, regardless of growing pains. Like it's for closers, you always, even though some of the best closers have blown saves. I 100%. mean, there's reasons there's reasons why there's elite closers with like a losing record every year is because they're out there and and they just they're in you know they're in the line of uh you know they're in the line of fire. So it's gonna happen every once in a while, but. Man, no, you're right, and 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 the thing with Christopher Morel is that no moment I feel like is too big for him, and he even accredit he he credits uh, Wilson Contreras with that mindset of no, that no moment getting too big, and, and if you and if you watch the Cubs on a daily, you you notice Christopher Morel every time that he takes a like uh, or, he, or he uh that he steps out of the box, he takes that little breath, he like he's like, and mm-hmm. Wilson did that all the time. Wilson, I believe, he still does that now. And he learned that from him. And I think that's that's something very important that, like, you know, even though it's hard, I'm sure now with the clock and all that, um, that it's pretty cool. But, man, re- regardless of that, re- that him, when he hit that home run, I had I think my the soul came out of my body like that. I, it was kind of like SpongeBob and that meme where he's kind of floating in the air. That I think that was me. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's – dude, I mean, just the moment, the game – like it is just insane, and then the fact that this dude took off his jersey before he even got the home plate. <laughs> this dude looked, yeah, this dude. I, I saw that. That kind of <laughs> took me off. I ain't gonna lie, I was hot. I was hot, but I, I don't understand. blame you. I understand. I mean, that, baseball's an emotional game. Yeah. It's a sport where if you if you succeed three times out of ten, yeah. the way that he did, you have a right to celebrate as you please. I mean, exactly. every, yeah. every dog has his day, uh-huh. and, and it's yep. a game that will humble the hell out of you. Even if you're a fan, 
And that was one of those moments. And, and you know, everybody gets the turn. The North Side has mm-hmm. got a turn Tuesday night to be humble. Yeah. White Sox fans got a turn to be humble on, on Wednesday night. So it, it comes with the territory in this rivalry where the stakes are high and will forever remain high. And I, I can't wait to see them in 2023 because I believe this is the first time the Cubs have ever been able to say that they hold the Crosstown yeah. Cup since they've, so. yeah, you yeah. Know, since they've had this. So, yeah, like <laughs> next year, it, it, the White Sox should be on a mission when they when they had these four games. Yeah, and I was yeah, I was gonna say too is that he looked like a soccer player, like just scored a last minute goal. Yeah, he definitely took did. off his jersey. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, hey, you're right. The best thing though, Gabe, another thing too, and I want to, uh, Miles, I want to get your take on on how you felt when you watched that home run. But another thing too is that there's so many people that like you're right. You said it best, Gabe, or the Sox or the Cubs had their time to get humbled on Tuesday. Cubs like the Cubs or the Sox had their moment to get humbled here the, as the fans. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's like let the Sox have their moment on Tuesday because there's so many butthurt Cubs fans. Like I just saw it all over Twitter, and I'm just like, dude, like you're gonna be doing the same thing when the Cubs do something. And guess what? Yeah, they know they do. Yeah, exactly. And then on Wednesday, <laughs> perfect example. I'm like, they're over here like trashing, like trying to talk smack about like Lou Rob, and I'm like, dude, like Luis Robert. First of all, and I you mentioned it. You were talking about his celebration. I actually like. Because it's not the first time he does that, like the turnaround thing, because he didn't he do that in the Cardinals series. I think he did in like a Cardinals. I think I remember. I forgot. He hit a bomb. Well, 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 what he does, he hits the ball so damn hard with his forearm <laughs> muscles. Sometimes he has to lean and strike a pose just to make yeah, sure the yeah. ball is fair. And I get it because even yeah. when I'm watching the game down the left field line, I'm like, you know, <laughs> yeah. OK, is that, is that fair? Because every time he hits it, it looks like it's going to go foul. Yeah, he, yeah. He's hitting it just fair enough. To, to touch the bases and, and, and take a lap around. So, I mean, I I get it, but that one, he knew he got all of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That damn one, oh. hit that shit on wave. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And that's what, like, everybody, you know, like, that was, like, a, like, an artwork of him, like, you know, looking at the fans and, like, shushing them and they're flicking them off. Yeah, I mean, that's art, right? That's baseball, man. And, like, people were, like, over here, like, oh, like, you know, crying about it. And then Wednesday, they're over here, like, going crazy and, it's just, it, but it's part of it, part of part of the uh, rivalry. But Miles, what what was your reaction to that home run? Because I'm sure uh, you weren't in your seat. It was lit. That was <laughs> awesome. That was so cool. It was such a good moment. And no, I think I think you guys you guys make great points. Where it's just like they're gonna the Sox are gonna have their moments in this series. The Cubs are gonna have their moments in this series. If there's one thing. Especially as like a ball player, there's one thing I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna hate on another. I'm not gonna hate on another guy for having his moment. Okay. Honestly, that may have been one of my fa- exactly, mm-hmm. and, and I think that may have been one of my favorite favorite moments of this entire year of baseball. Mm-hmm. Seeing Luis Robert turn around to the fans and say, "Shut <laughs> your ass up." <laughs> I just bro, I'm just a fan of that. That's dope because, you know, I I by the way, Cubs fans, listen, I, I love us, right? We're we're not we're not a tough fan base. We're not. We're, no one no one At comes to feeling things. Like, oh no, yeah yeah no. First of all, by the way, we talked about this in between episodes. The music that they're playing at Wrigley Field. Stop it, bro. Stop it. <laughs> if, I'm a, if I'm an opposing player, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. Go ahead and play Sweet Country Road. Yeah, I'm so scared. Shut up. Um, listen, I think <laughs> I think it's just uh man, it's just just like from one ball player to another, bro. I love that, bro. I think I think it's so dope. And this this entire series just it's just it's great um and i think i think you know i i feel that madrigal still hasn't got enough credit for kind of getting the offense mm-hmm. going a little bit giving us some spark without that home run it's a tie game we don't know what happens when we go into the extra innings and that kind of that kind of you know we, we got the california rule we got the ghost runner on second base now and we, who's to say the Sox don't drive in a run and take the lead and regardless if we start the next inning with a runner on second the other team has momentum i don't care what someone, someone tells me my mindset will never change. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many great things to take away from this Cubs series, just kind of showing how how resilient they are and, and what they're what they're going for right now. It's, it's 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 evident. We're beating a lot of teams, good teams this year, and we're winning games that we're supposed to be winning. So um, it's exciting, man. It's really it's really exciting, and you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping they figure it out soon on the South side because I just I think it's better when both teams are both teams are winning. Yeah, and and uh, well, uh, one of the things that I saw after the game was, uh, the fact that that was just the second, uh, or sorry, it was the the last time that the Cubs walked off on the Sox 
was game I was at where Soriano hit that uh that base hit over the second baseman. But you think it was 09? Was that 09, Gabe? That's maybe gotta like, be oh, like that's gotta be 08, 09. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and those games so, definitely had a lot of energy because I yeah, remember yeah. Gordon Beckham had a moment on the mm-hmm. south side where he had yeah. a walk off hit. Uh huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's funny because that that game that that game that I went to, I so much there was so much traffic. We went we left really late. I think we got there like in the seventh inning, and I got to see that, so it made it all worth it. I was like, I don't even care if I missed most of the game. I saw the walk off, but that's pretty crazy. That that's the last time that the Cubs had a walk off at Wrigley uh against the Sox there so that was cool um yeah and, and I think with uh, another thing with Morrell is that he actually uh as much as he, he's had a good year overall he hadn't been hitting well uh you know going into that at bat and I mean this in the second half he has a 108 uh weighted runs created plus which of course is above average but compared to his first half um it's it's way lower um but in high leverage situations man I mean that guy goes out there and hits 348 I think that just says it all as what Gabe says you know the moment's bigger you know, and he's he's there and 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 he makes it happen. So, um, you know, with the Cubs, they're 19 and eight since July 18th. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to make make sure to uh, bring up was Marcus Stroman, because uh, he obviously went into the IL uh, with a hip injury. It wasn't looking good. He had like a bad month and a half, maybe. Uh, and now uh, he he had a uh, he had a setback last week, which to be honest, I forgot what the injury was on that one, but. He had another set setback uh, a couple of days ago. I think they said it was Monday, and now it reveals that it they revealed that it was a right rib cartilage fracture, and that there's no timetable for his return. Um, I the Cubs have been surviving without Stroman. Uh, he's missed, I believe, like a couple starts uh, at this point. Uh, Javier Assad has held his own there, um, and they've been able to. Yeah. I think they maybe done at least one bullpen game or something like that with like Drew Smiley. So they've been able to hold their own. Um, obviously, come October that matters. Um, if they're able to make it. So, uh, in, you know, I want to get your guys' take as to where the Cubs go from here with Marcus Stroman. Is it one of those things where should they try to get him in, in September? Should they bring up somebody? I mean, right now uh, they have plenty of options down there that they could bring up that guys that are, you know, feeling, I know uh, I think Ben Brown might've been on the injured list for a while, but I think he's back. Um, so he's, he's one of the guys that might be able to help him in September. Uh, there's been rumors in the last week, uh, or just murmurs, I should say, that uh, that maybe, uh, you know, Pete Armstrong comes up in September um, because, of course, they yeah. can bring up a pitcher. They can they can bring up a pitcher and a hitter in September. So we'll start with you, Miles. What are your thoughts on the, on the Marcus Stroman situation? And is it one of those things where they should just shut him down for the regular season and then see what he can give you in October? Because I talked to a friend that's in the medical field, and he said that with this particular injury, not counting the rest of his stuff, uh, his particular injury most likely – with how much movement he has, it'll be about three three weeks, maybe a month, uh, before he can start pitching again. Um, so we'll see. But what are your overall thoughts on the Stroman situation, Miles? Yeah, I think I think Cubs. You know, I think the Cubs should definitely start weighing their options in terms of, you know, how are we going to kind of continue to not carry this load because, like you said, the Cubs have been really holding their own, even even without Stroman. Um, and he's been such a vital part of this team winning as much as they have this year. Um, I think I think it's definitely it's definitely good to kind of keep your eye out for a couple of guys, um, you know, that are that are down in AAA that, you know, might be able to come up and, and you know, make some noise for the most part. And, and, and I say a lot of this because I, I still feel that we are not there yet in terms of pitching. And, and yes, this has been an incredible year in terms of, a lot of statistics pitching wise, I, I still, I still don't think that in terms of competing well in like a playoff series, I don't feel like our pitching is up to par compared to other teams. But then again, the postseason turns puppies into dogs. So I, in the meantime, I, I would, I would like for us to kind of get some, to get some arms up. Um, I got an eye on Jordan Wicks. I think he'd be a cool uh, guy to bring up um, to kind of close off September for us check in, check in on Marcus Stroman throughout that entire month and just uh, see what we do. I think the last thing the Cubs want to do, and I think they already, you know, have this mindset. The last thing we want to do is rush someone, uh, you know, from an injury. So, you know, I, I think we're going to be okay, um, but we are not, we are not better without him. We are much better with him. We are much better with as much a good pitching as we can get. Um, 
I, I get scared when I see certain things like Jamison Tyler, who hasn't been terrible. This he hasn't been great either. Um, but overall, it's, it's been it's been a bad year for him. And so for me, any any great starter that we can have in our lineup, any sort of bolster we can have uh, in that rotation, that's a thumbs up to me. So um, you know, I'm hoping that he comes back in time for the playoffs if we're still in the hunt. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, you you mentioned it with with Tyon. He was good in July, but in in August he kind of looked a little more like his, you know, you know June and May self, uh, where I just it yeah. just hasn't gone well for him. So hopefully he's able yeah. to find it because hopefully he's able to find that July self again because if he can somehow uh, be consistent and throughout he can easily be fit in that number two role uh, behind Justin Steele or Hendricks, whatever you know yeah. wherever Hendricks is at right yeah. now because I think Hendricks right now with how he's pitching maybe sits closer to a three if Strowman's healthy. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there, but I think it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Gabe, what's your take on this whole situation and who's somebody maybe, you know, as, as I know, you're very uh, well uh, educated with the whole uh, minor league system. Uh, what, if there any guy in particular, you maybe you want to bring up if you're in the Cubs position, because they have plenty of options as you know, uh, miles mentioned Jordan Wicks and I mentioned Katie Horton. Um, but there's also Brent Brown and all that, but yeah. Well, what's your take on the whole situation? I mean, well, with that news, the Strowman, and I heard about that prior to game one of the Crosstown series, that that you're going to have to bring somebody up because mm-hmm. with the trade deadline having passed and you not acquiring an arm on the open market when you had the chance, something that a lot of Cub fans that I know personally mm-hmm. were getting on Jed Hoyer about and are still frustrated at Jed Hoyer in the front office about not doing, even though they brought in Condelario, a much-needed back and a guy that serves a viable presence on the corners at third and first, they're going to have to bring somebody up. And you bring up Jordan Wicks, Miles, that, that, that's a guy that I think would be one of the first options you would consider bringing up. He's a left-handed arm. He has yeah. a, a nice sinker. He has a four-seam fastball that rides out, even though it's not, you know, the highest in, in terms of miles per hour. It can go around 90, 91, but it's electric enough to get by hitters. You know, he has a repertoire of pitches in his arsenal, and he's the guy that's really the most MLB-ready among their three prospects, I would say, a top three prospects currently that consist of their arms. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be against it, because if you're the Cubs, let's be real, what the hell do you have to lose, man? Mm-hmm. Um, You're playing with house money. This is a team that, finished the year well a season ago, but no one really knew what direction this ball club was going in. They knew that they were taking some flyers on some one-year guys such as Bellinger, Mancini. Mancini hasn't worked out so much, but Cody Bellinger has found uh, appears to have found himself a home here if he wants it this offseason. He's played very well here. You, you, you know, you get these young guys a shot to see what September baseball is like in the midst of a pennant race, you don't know how much that can pay off for their development down the road in the future. It's a lot of pressure to put on these guys, but you really don't have a choice. And I got to give a credit to, you know, Javier Assad, who mm-hmm. really put in a, a solid performance in game two against the White Sox and didn't make life easy on him, even though he gave up three runs. And, and, and a couple you could say was, attributed to his defense mm-hmm. and the lack thereof from guys such as Ian Happ making some costly errors in the field. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to have to bring up one of those young arms and, and either Wicks, Ben Brown. I don't see Kate Horton coming up. I think mm-hmm. rushing a guy from double A, you know, up that fast, even though he's one of the top prospects in the game, that, that would be kind of mm-hmm. rough. But they have some guys that are ready. And I think they can make that call if need be. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pete Crow Armstrong got caught up either. I've seen a lot of his highlights and I see what the hype's about. And he's a guy that could at least be a viable defensive replacement when they have leads, you know, in the top half of the knife or bottom of the knife, depending on where they play. Yeah, no, you brought up some good points. And you're right about with the whole, you know, with uh, the fact that, you know, them able to bring up a guy like Jordan Wicks would be a good idea. Also, another reason that would be a good idea was because, say, you know, they bring up Wicks, right? Uh, Marcus Stroman comes back in time for the last two weeks of September, and Jordan Wicks can just slide into the bullpen, and this is a, and he would slide into a position where they really needed 
a left-handed reliever. I know they actually just signed um, to a minor league deal, left-handed left -handed reliever uh, and veteran 36-year-old Richard Blyer. Um, obviously not somebody that, you know, a lot, you know, that's going to, you know, make headlines, but they needed a guy at the, at the deadline. They weren't able to get him. I know they were in, uh, they were interested in like a bread hand and it didn't work out there uh, as, as well as Barlow, I believe also from the, uh, from the Royals, but it didn't work out there. So they're going to have to get in for, like, you know, get these guys and bring them up. And, and Jed Hoyer said that when he was asked about, you know, why not you go out there and get that? And I get the frustration when not getting a starter. I understand that because it didn't look like the Cubs were interested at all at a starter. And, 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 you know, when, when they asked Jed, he said, you know, we have plenty of guys in the minors they could bring up. And I think they do. Um, but also, you know, who knows how much they're going to lean on those guys. How much can you lean on those guys? Um, and you mentioned, you know, with Pico Armstrong, there's also Owen Casey down there who's killing it. I think, believe he has like a 984 OPS in, in AAA. You could even argue by just yeah. how much time he's been in AAA that he deserves more than, than PCA, but I'm not going to argue because those, both of those guys um, are, are very talented and could easily make the, a big league roster next year. But um, yeah, Crow Armstrong is the guy that's, you know, he has, they, they rated him 80 out of 80 for outfield. Uh, so, you know, I would love to see him out here uh, playing center field. And maybe you could even like DH, you know, Talkman or DH Suzuki, depending on who's playing right field and all that. So that, yeah, it'll be re really interesting to see what the Cubs do in September because they have plenty of options uh, and they could throw these young guys out there. And, and that could be, that would be crazy because, I mean, you look at some of these guys and how good they are, these young guys. You throw them in there in the series against the Brewers, anything can happen. And the Brewers got their own young guns as well. So yeah, that's gonna be, I yeah. saw them last weekend. Yeah, they, <laughs> they definitely got some young guns that could go in. And they only just started because yeah. they put together an impressive draft. Guys like Tyler Black, mm -hmm. Jackson Churio, who's one of the top prospects in the game. This dude is 18 in double-A ball and Biloxi and is killing it. They, they are coming. They are coming, yeah. and they they have Tyler Mizarowski, who's a, a solid farmhand of theirs, starting pitcher. They 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 on the rise, and, and Pittsburgh too. The NL yeah. Central mm -hmm. is a division where if your farm system isn't good, I don't see you contending because mm -hmm. these these teams yeah. are coming. Cincinnati is coming, Pittsburgh is coming, and, and Milwaukee yeah. they've arrived. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right, and I think I said we said this before on the show, and the fact that a couple of years from now, NL Central may not be the laughing joke anymore that it is now. It might be one of the best divisions in baseball with all the talent, like O'Neill Cruz, Ellie De La Cruz, um, Pico Armstrong, you know, if he com comes out and, and does his work there. And, I mean, the Cubs have the fourth best um, uh, farm system, according to MLB Pipeline. So that, yep. that just says a lot. So, yeah, we'll see. They they got a lot that's going for them. Let's see if they can execute. Uh, they got uh, the three against, three against Kansas City and then three at Detroit. Um, and they're sitting at 62 and 58 with, of course, the division uh, and the wild card still, uh, you know, up for grabs. You know, the, the Cubs are two and a half behind the Brewers. And then they're uh, I believe they're still they're tied for a spot or they're in the last spot. Yeah, they're in the, the third actually tied, I believe. Yeah, they're tied with the Marlins and the Reds for that third spot in the wild card. As we sit here in, uh, at eight o'clock on Thursday. Um, but moving on, we'll move on to the White Sox who are 48 and 73. Because I did want to ask Gabe, I did want to ask you a little bit about uh, Pedro Grifol's comments after the game that some Sox fans had issue with and some other people talked about it, whatever. But I want to get your take because he talked a little bit about how this is the toughest loss of the year. Now, I've heard people talk about it saying, you know, that's ridiculous. These guys have lost like 70 games. And these are Sox fans I've heard this from. And then I've also heard people, Sox fans say, hey, these games matter more, so they're going to hurt more you know, because they're playing against their cross-town rival. But what's your take on these comments by Pedro Grifol? And is it one of those things where, you know, you're not paying too much attention to Grifol? Is he maybe gone by the end of the year? Who knows what's going on with the Sox? Uh, what's what's your whole thought on the situation of those comments? Recency bias. Mm. You know, in the moment when you lose a game like that, it always feels like the worst loss of the year when you're 20 minutes removed from it. But as a fan who has watched all of these games, who has been to half of the home games this season, if not slightly more, I can recall a shit ton of games that were the worst loss of the year. I mean, I I, I mean, you, I, I can sit here all day. I, I remember being what you saw and seeing mm -hmm. this team come back from a two-run, a three-run deficit, put up like a four spot in the top of the seventh, 
and then blow the game and give it right back at the hands of Joe Kelly in Detroit. That was painful. Mm -hmm. Then going back the next day on a Sunday to Comerica, sitting behind home plate, pumping up Tim Anderson and everything after they came back from a two-run deficit, went into the ninth with a one-run lead, lost in an extra innings. I can remember being in a game which you saw another one here in Chicago Sunday against the Miami Marlins day before blew a one nothing lead in the top of the ninth had a five one lead at the end of seven Miami scores two in the eighth to cut it to two and then they scored they scored four in the ninth to win or whatever so you know like it, it, it's a lot of losses I could point to as far as worst losses of the year, and but I, I understand where he's going with it, but I don't think it was the worst loss of the season. It just was the magnitude of it and having the game in balance or so you thought only to let it slip away with one swing of the bat that proved to be the most important swing of the ball game because it was a three-run homer and he gave the Cubs the Crosstown Cup as well as the overall series in three to one style. So I mean, I I don't make much of that. I know why White Sox fans want to be bitter. I'm not trying to tell fans how to fan, but I'm frustrated as hell too. However, I'm not I'm not gonna kill Pedro Grafal solely off of those comments. And one thing I will say about White Sox fans is as much as I love us and I, I get the passion, I get the pride, and I, I get one to uphold the club to a winning standard there was never any guarantee with this shit especially when the front office did not spend the money in the fashion in which we expected them to yes they have the highest payroll in the central however majority of it went to the bullpen they never addressed the true positions of need in which they needed to in order to take this team to the next level be it with right field be it with second base and most importantly a manager that these young guys could grow with and show them the ropes and the nuances of what it took to win. Yeah, no, that you're right about that. And it's one of those things that uh, we've set ad nauseum at this point, right. With the socks and you know, what that, what, what went wrong. Uh, there's many things. And I think this off season is going to be very important because as they've said, they're trying to compete and whether you believe it or not in 2024, um, they definitely, we've talked about before here, um, they definitely have the pieces when you, when it comes to the young talent, but if they can do it, we've said that before. So hopefully they're able to execute. They got three at Colorado and then three, uh, against Seattle at home. So, um, it'll be really uh, fascinating to see what the Sox are able to do there. And, and it just, it, it, this opportunity, and I've, I've said this before to other Sox fans, like, this is an opportunity for a lot of the guys like Gregory Santos to an Oscar Colas to have those at bats, have those opportunities on the mound uh, to make a name for themselves and make the team next year. Cause I know that's going to be uh, important for them as well. So um, hopefully that works out, but moving on to the rest of the league, there's a, a big situation, of course, very unfortunate situation uh, and a lot of the stuff coming out of it. Uh, it's coming out from Hispanic uh, outlets, uh, of course, that have uh, broken uh, news before uh and like Mike Rodriguez and, and, uh, but Wander Franco, of course, the all-star of the Rays, of course, has been, uh, accused of, uh, having a relationship with, a underage girl. And there's other news that has broken. I mean, there's so much going on that is just a whirlwind. Um, uh, and like, apparently like they're, they're doing a thorough investigation in the Dominican Republic. Um, but what they have found out, they apparently is moving really fast. They said, and uh, from what it turns out, a lot of people believe this is as of today on Thursday, the 17th. Uh, a lot of a lot of people believe uh, here in, or there in the DR and here that Wander Franco has played his last game in Major League Baseball. So um, if if he did what he you know what they said he did, which I mean, it's looking like it at this point, um, that is well deserved. And uh, that for, for sure, um, you know, will will I mean, I mean, obviously, outside of the ramifications of the real world, um, puts the Rays in, in a bit of a bind because this is a player that they put the whole put their future on. 
you know, seven year contract, 180 mil. I mean, I mean, there's just, yeah. I mean, there's, there's probably, I don't know. I mean, there's no words for this, but if you guys have any comments you want to make towards the situation. Cause I know this, this, I mean, it's rough, whether it be baseball related or not. I mean, this is a situation that's very uh, abstract and uh, the news is, I feel like comes out every minute, but uh, anybody want to say anything? I, I say something on it real quick, mm-hmm. man. Um, this was a dude who, when he arrived, was the top prospect in all of baseball. And a lot of people anticipated it. This was a guy who the Rays were so high on that they had him on their World Series roster. People forget this. Mm-hmm. When they played against the Los Angeles Dodgers, in the World Series during the COVID year of 2020. And he showed up on the scene and had a phenomenal rookie season, which earned him that big payday. And if all of this is true, and I know things are going to continue to come out in the coming weeks, this could not happen at a worse time for the Tampa Bay Rays organization, especially when this news came Shortly after it was announced that Shane McClanahan was going under the knife for Tommy John surgery, it was out for the 2024 season, including the rest of this season. And the Rays are in the thick of a wild card race right now on a West Coast road trip where the schedule is doing them no favors. They're going up against a Giants team that's fighting in the NL wild card race, you know. This team was playing on a 100-win pace in April. And now, not only are they trailing Baltimore in the East, they're finding themselves trying to figure out, like, hey, who can we count on that's healthy, that's able to help us to stay afloat? And um, it's just a very unfortunate situation. If, If Wanda Franco goes without playing another MLB game, Man, it'll be one of the most tragic stories I've ever heard, albeit self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Because man, um, just seeing the talent that's coming through that organization, like they got Junior Caminero, six-ranked prospect in all the baseball, according to MLB Pipeline, who they got in a steal trade with Cleveland, who is coming. And even though he can play short on top of third, just the thought of that pairing together, man, and, and the news dropped crazily. Like, on a day that the Rays had a promotion where they were giving away a hat that he designed to kids that were 14 or younger. Oh, my God. You know, and, and, and like, I, I, when I read about the story and I saw he was oh trending, I, I found out about it after the Sox-Brewers game on Sunday, riding on the red line to a friend's house. And I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. Yeah, it, it's just an unfortunate story, man. And um, the game suffers as well as you know, families, not just the Franco family, but the family of the underage minor or minors. Mm-hmm. And stories are coming out by the day and by the hour. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. And they, they I saw one tweet, yeah, that said by one of the reporters saying that uh, as they're going through the investigation, apparently that there might be more than one minor. Yeah. So I saw that too. Um, yeah. So and, and apparently more than one guy too. So it might it might not just be him. Other there's other maybe other players. Who knows what's gonna happen? But yeah. Uh, My- Miles, did you have anything to say on this on this particular matter? Yeah, I mean nothing, nothing, um, nothing that hasn't been said. And I think I think there's there's definitely been some internal things that he's been he's been dealing with this year. I think we've seen that kind of reflect in times when he's struggling. Yeah. Um, you know this is this is someone who I you know clearly clearly needs needs guidance or needs better guidance. This is, this is, uh, this is unfortunate. This is, yeah, like you said, unfortunate for, for the family of, of both sides. Um, you know, the Rays, the Rays, now, now you got to point to the guys, like, Hey, who's going to pick up the load? Who's going to pick up the slack? Mm-hmm. And this is, we're slipping, we're slipping right now. And this doesn't help us at all. Um, but you know, Rays fans can still be very optimistic because you still got one hell of a team over there. And the season isn't over by any means. This team's going to be in it all the way up until the, until whenever their bell rings. Um, but this is unfortunate. And 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 I, I you know, I, the Rays are a very, uh, 
you know, they're, they're a team that, that, that promotes a lot of personality and being yourself. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's very rare that you hear them, that they bench someone because of how angry that they're getting. Um, clearly that, you know, he had other things going on. And I think a little bit of that has come to light as to what the hell was causing him to kind of lash out in moments. Um, mm-hmm. It's not an excuse. It can't happen. So, you know, you, 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 you make your own bed. You got to lay with it. It's not okay. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the Rays to, to figure it out. Uh, and I'm hoping that the best case uh, resolution comes out for all sides when it comes to this. But you know what's yeah. so scary about this situation? It's like this team, when they came through Chicago in early April, I just thought that this team was on a trajectory to get to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I'm asking myself, like, I know they got talent, but can this team make the playoffs? Because they had a mm-hmm. rough month in July. And I remember mm-hmm. me and Saul, we talked about this after the All-Star mm-hmm. break, teams that we saw – rising up the standards and falling. I saw Tampa Bay having a slight drop off, but I didn't see this coming. Mm -hmm. And I was curious as to why Wanda was being benched in some games and and why Kevin Cash was, you know, disciplining him. But if, if you'd have said it was this on the hush hush, I would have been like, you kidding me. Yeah, no. And and the fact that, you know, looking at the, the teams that are in the wild card, you know, you're right. They, they, I mean, there's plenty of season left. Uh, I think the only reason why I would still say the the, the Rays are probably still going to make the playoffs is just because of the teams under them, like the Mariners and Red Sox. Of course. I, I don't think mm-hmm. how, they're, they're very serious. I think that the this kind of leads into, you know, how I want to end the show on a lighter note here at talking a little bit more about the wild card race. Um, I want to get your guys' takes on what you guys think is uh, a better wild card race. Is, do you think it's the NL or the AL? And in the, in the AL, of course, I think, you know, that one, you could you could actually make an argument. Those are the teams that are going to end up in the wild and, in, in, you know, end up in the postseason with the Rays, the Astros, the Blue Jays, because those are some of the best teams in baseball there just in that in that particular area. But we'll start with you, Miles. Which uh, which of the wild card races between the NL and the AL do you think is more interesting? And I know it's tough to say. I know it's tough not to say the NL just because the Cubs are in it, because the Cubs um, are in it in the thick of that. But they also uh, have an opportunity to win the division. But uh, the NL one's closer, um, but I know that the AL with the teams flip-flop because I know you want to end up at first. You still want to get that first spot uh, of the wild card. But, yeah, what's your take on the wild card race and which one's better? So that's, so, that's so tough, man, because even easy. I've been looking at both of these as we've been talking, and, you know, it, it's it's crazy to see the state that the Yankees are in. I think mm-hmm. this still isn't being talked about a lot. In baseball yep. right now, I think this is one of the most um, surprise. I don't know if even surprising, because I kind of saw this coming, and I kind of talked about it last year in terms of the Yankees. Just look, it's good to really bet on your guys, but you also need to know when changes have to be made and when things are not working. Seeing this Yankees ball club, the the, the season were to end today, they're not in the playoffs and they're a game below five hundred. That is absurd. That is crazy. So, you know, I think I think there's so much to be interested within within the AL. But I think when I look at the NL, bro, this is like a six team race, bro. Even with the Diamondbacks as being a game above 500, they're not that far behind the Marlins. They're not that far behind the Reds. The Reds are kind of right on top of the Cubs. As much as we're loving what's going on in the South Side, we got very little room to to slip up. Very little room. The Reds are here. They're, they're letting the Cubs know, hey, we're right behind you. Don't don't F it up. We'll take we'll take it right from you. It's, it's gonna be you guys will be singing go Cubs, go to go home. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just uh I, I'm just so much more interested in this in, in, in the NL, not just because of the Cubs, but there's nothing. I'm there's not a single team that I'm looking at is guaranteed to run away with this thing right now. Even with the Phillies being at the top of this wild card, with, uh, with, you know, 11 games above 500, the Giants are right there, 64 and 57, kind of tailing them as well. Then you got the Cubs. Then you got the Reds, the Marlins, who are playing hot baseball. You got Jake Berger coming into town, delivering a double cheeseburger with extra fries and a large <laughs> drink. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 a lot, it's a lot to look forward to within that NL race. And I think, um, you know, 
what we're seeing right now, in my opinion, is not a snapshot of what we're going to see by the time, you know, the end of September comes around. That's how close this is. None of this shit is guaranteed. Just like, just like Gabe said, this wild card can be totally different in about two to three weeks. Um, so I gotta, I gotta say the NL just because dude, look, look at that thing. Every, every single team is right there. Um, so we'll, 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 we'll see what happens. You, you know, it's one of those things where I think I'll make the joke before anybody else does. Um, you, you gave me the idea, Miles, as you were talking about the music, the song or whatever. I think a lot of teams want the Cubs to, instead of saying, go Cubs, go, they want them to be singing, go Cabo, go, because uh, they'd be going to Cabo instead of playoffs. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I said it because I don't want anyone else to say it, Gabe, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Gabe, what's your take? What, what, what's the best uh, wild card race right now? I've been thinking about this question since you proposed it to me and I saw it on your show notes, man. And um, I don't think it's a wrong answer, whether you think it's the mm-hmm. American League or National League. I know Miles says the National League and I, I get it. But Arizona is a team to me that they're falling, they're falling fast. And I think it's due to lack of pitching and, and arms sure, getting yeah. injured. And, and, and that's that's hurt them greatly. San Diego could make it interesting, but they got they need a lot of work. They need a lot of work in order to make that happen. But when I look at this American League wild card race, and I know we 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 all know that the American League East is the best division, bar none, in mm-hmm. all of baseball, besides the National League West. I thought going into the season that there would be at least three playoff teams from the American League East. It still could be. However, the Seattle Mariners are coming. They've won seven out of their last 10 games. They're currently only a half a game back in the wild card race of Toronto for the third and final wild card spot in the American League. Something's going to have to give. And while Toronto is playing 500 ball and Tampa Bay is playing close to 500 in their last 10, if this Seattle offense can continue to stay hot, with the schedule that they have, they can leapfrog someone. I don't see Houston being leapfrog. I don't see Texas being leapfrog. I think whoever finishes runner-up in the AL West, they'll get a spot. But somebody in the East should be on alert. And it's either going to be Tampa Bay or Toronto, in my opinion, that falls. And that's if the Mariners continue to keep doing what they're doing. I know Jake Berger has giving Miami a great deal of power is advertised. I'm happy to see him balling. I know a lot of White Sox fans are bitter about that trade. I'm not so much. I think the White Sox sold high on them while they had the chance. But it's great to see him in action on a contender. Josh Bell has found a fountain of youth in Miami as well, hitting for some tremendous power. They're, they're winning games, and they're never out of ball games because they don't believe that they're out of ball games. And Luisa Rise and those guys are doing a hell of a job. That National League playoff race is going to be interesting. But like teams like Cincinnati, I'm, I'm curious to watch them as well down this stretch of the year because they're a young ball club. And they kind of are in a situation, to me, that Baltimore was in last year. I don't know if this is their year. But they could prove a lot of people wrong. And if they do, it's going to be a lot of angry Cub fans, I think, come October. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it, too, with Berger and, and Bell. I've been hearing a lot about them and how that length, lengthens the lineup for Miami, and they also have proven pitching. Uh, Alcantara, you know, despite his, his season that, you know, yeah, I'm sure he wishes it was better, but, you know, he could still go out there and toss a complete game like he did the other day. So, you know, um, they have those guys, and and uh, we'll see what happens. But it's going to be a crazy race and from both, both ends. And I believe you're right with the Blue Jays, but I just need to see a little more. I think they could do it. They definitely have it all right there. And as long, you know, but when, when you know, once Bo Bichette, when Bo Bichette is out there, I mean, they obviously have one of the best teams in baseball right there just because of how talented he is. Um, so that's going to, it's one of those races that's going to go down to the wire um, and it's going to be as entertaining as it is. And I think this is one of those things where this just proves as to why they did this. This adds more excitement to the game. It says more, it's more teams are in it. Um, so and even as Miles mentioned, the Yankees, that extremely disappointing, right? But even if they think the season's Ooh. over, as they're a game under 500 for the first time since uh, 1995, they 
still are in the race. Uh, and when you have Aaron Judge, sure. you know anything can happen. Uh, so it's gonna. I gotta be ask intense. you a question real oh, quick, Saul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Miles, y'all know the last time the Yankees finished under five hundred in a season. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the ninety five season. No, it wasn't the ninety. Oh, oh, was it? Nineteen ninety two was the last year that the New York Yankees finished the regular season under five hundred. None of us were born 1992. Yet. To put that in perspective for you, I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. <laughs> this is how dominant this team has been over we, we the last 30 years and running. We wouldn't even thought at that point. That's I know. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wow. it, it's going gonna, it's yeah. gonna to be, it, it's going to, I think, you know, it's one of those things where I think, watch, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but because they have a lot of problems. But it's one of those things with the Yankees is that you give Aaron Judge like a week with like seven, eight home runs, <laughs> which can happen. Uh, they could easily find themselves back in the race. But a lot of things have to happen. You can still for that. see him kind of working through that that toe discomfort as well. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah. You can still kind of see, um, you know, taking kind of not, you know, not limping, but you can see there's still some discomfort. He's still kind of playing, uh, playing mm-hmm. it kind of safe. Um, but you can see him starting to heat up again a little bit too. Yeah, and I think you know. Baseball will be better for it. You know, I love seeing Aaron Judge going deep all the time. So that's another thing. Him and yeah. Otani, it's the, the best show on best show in baseball. So I think it's a good th- place to wrap things up for this edition of the At Bad Podcast, episode 62. Uh, I want to thank everyone for watching. And, of course, uh, keep make sure you, uh, you watch all our coverage for the Bears as well on the Bears Den with Joe Tanksley and I. Uh, keep following all War Media social so, – all War Media socials. Um, keep track on that. We just had an open run uh, podcast drop. And uh, so take take a look at that. And we appreciate everyone watching. And this was the App Ad Podcast. See you next time, everybody.